The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Christine Harrington, who during her near-death experience died during childbirth. Christine, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Christine, would you like to start on the day that it happened or do you need to give us some backstory? Well, I'll give you a little bit of backstory because uh, it might help explain some of the disconnect I had with the near-death experience when we get into that part. But I was born and raised Catholic. And at the time that uh, I found out that I was pregnant, I was out of the church. I had had two abortions and I was living with um, the, my son's father at the time. So that's kind of the religious backstory uh, that I'll lead into. Um, when I went into labor, I told my doctor that I did not think that I was going to deliver. Um, and they wanted me to try to deliver uh, naturally. My baby was 13 pounds, so I, I did not know how I was going to do this. And 27 and a half hours later, he was stuck in the birth canal, and they said that his heartbeat was getting fainter and fainter, and they thought they were going to lose him if they didn't do an emergency C-section. So they an orderly wheeled me in to an operating room to do the C-section. And usually when they do C-sections, they don't put you out. They will just do a generalized um, numbing uh, in an area. But for some reason, they didn't do that with me. They did put me under anesthesia. So all I saw uh, at the time was the one orderly that brought me in and the anesthesiologist. And I say that for a reason, Jeff, and I'll get into it here in a minute. Um, but all I remember is counting back from 10, and then I was out. All right. I have no idea what the time frame was from the time that I was put under until I found myself floating above the whole scenario seen below me. And I was kind of floating up in the corner up at uh, the ceiling. And I was watching these two doctors working on me frantically. And I was seeing the nurses coming in and out in a hurry in and out of the operating room. And I just, I knew it was me. And I know I've heard other near-death experience people said that they didn't really realize they were watching themselves, but I knew it was me. And I was more curious than anything about why was, you know, why were they working so frantically on me? 
Well, the next thing I knew, it was completely black. I mean, like black, you just can't imagine black, it being that dark. And it scared me to death. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have died. I must be dead. So I was, I know this sounds crazy. I was trying to see my hands. I was trying to see my ground or the ground. I guess I didn't have a, I didn't have a concept that I didn't have a body um, because I thought like myself still. I still had my same personality. I still had memories from the past. So I felt like it was just me, but now I'm in this darkness and I just had no concept that I didn't have a body. And the fear just started hitting me. Jeff, I realized I was dead and I thought I was in hell. And I thought I was in hell because as I told you in the beginning, I had had two abortions. I was raised Catholic. I was living outside of the Catholic faith. I had never confessed those abortions as a sin. I, I never even talked to God about the abortions. And at that time in my life, God was the last thing on my mind. Um, and now I'm having this baby. Now I'm in this crisis situation in surgery, and now I'm dead. So there was one part of me that thought I deserved to be in hell because of this behavior. Uh, and another part of me cried out to God and said, please help me. Something like, I must be dead. God, please don't put me in hell. Please help me. And after I said that, Jeff, I saw this little tiny prick of a white light in front of me. And so I just started kind of moving towards that light. And the closer I got to the light, the more the light expanded and, and all of the fear and the anxiety just started washing off of me. And it was being replaced by the most undescribable, unconditional, accepting love I have ever felt in my life. I mean, for the audience, you, you know, your sweetheart from high school that you fell in love with, this doesn't even come close to falling in love with someone. It doesn't even come close to when you first hold your baby, just falling in love with that little baby that you're holding. It doesn't even come close to those things at all. It was a love that was, uh, well, it was just undescribable. I, and, and, and I still try to hang on to that feeling, but a lot of it has washed away over the years because that was in 1992, June 13th, 1992. So here I am knowing that I was out of the Catholic Church, knowing I had these mortal sins on my soul. Why am I standing in the presence of God? There was no doubt in my mind that this white light 
that I was looking at was God. It the light is so bright, the light is so strong, and I felt the warmth of the light, but it wasn't too hot and it wasn't too cool. It was just right. It was this warm warmth that just washed over me. And when you looked into the light, which I thought I had eyes, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like to be a spirit. Um, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt at all. I mean, you could just look right in it and it didn't hurt. Uh, and, and again, I felt humbled by being in the presence of God, knowing, knowing my, um, my story, knowing that I had walked away from God, but yet he still loved me unconditionally. He still accepted me. He still accepted this, this uh, dysfunctional life I was living. And there were two beings with me that I didn't see. I just knew it was two beings. And they, they talked to me through thoughts. So there, I could, I could, you know, hear their thoughts. They could hear my thoughts. So they said to me that I could go or I could stay. It, the choice was up to me. And what was so strange about that choice is, you know, most mothers would think, well, you would just go straight back. You would go back to your child. And and I wrestled with that decision. I mean, I, I honestly just wrestled with the decision because I felt like I was finally home. I was finally accepted. I was finally totally loved by God. And, and it felt too good to let go of. So I don't know how much time had passed. I have no idea how long I stood there. There's a part of me that thinks that, that other things took place, but I don't remember them. Every once in a while, over the years, I've gotten a little snippet of, an, of a memory here or there, but I haven't been able to put it all together yet. But after this time that went on, the beans finally came back and said, you have to make a decision now. You can either stay or go. And I said, well, what would happen to my son if I decided to stay? And they both said that he will be fine and you wouldn't have to worry about him. It will be fine. And I just wrestled again and again. And they said, you have to make a decision. And I said, okay, I, I have to go back. I back. I can't, I can't abandon my son. I have to go back. So I woke up and I was in restraints in a hospital bed. And it felt like my spirit my soul was trying to be squeezed back into this little container called a body. And it was painful. On the other side, you get a real sense of an expanded 
like you're like a freedom of the way you feel and expansion of way you feel. So trying to put all of that back down into this body, it, it was actually painful. And, and that's the other thing on the other side. You don't feel any pain whatsoever. I have had lower back pain for 40 years. You know, it's gone. You don't have pain over there on the other side. And so I come back and my dad is watching. Uh, crazy that I remember this. My dad's sitting in a chair watching um, Michael Jordan. It was Chicago Bills. So it was in June. So it was either at the end of the playoffs or the championship game. So I'm not sure which, which Chicago Bulls. And I woke up and I saw Michael Jordan dunk, uh, dunking a basket. <laughs> Crazy. <clears throat> and so my mother comes to my bed and, you know, is saying to my dad, she's awake, she's awake. And, and I thought I just had a baby. I mean, I thought I was just waking up from the C-section. And my mother said, uh, told me, she said, you've been out for four days. And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? I've been out for four days. You've been out for four days. And a nurse came in and, you know, my mother said, tell her, tell her she was in a coma. And she didn't say that, but she did tell me that both my son and I died and we both came back. We were both resuscitated. He had a 50-50% chance of living. And, uh, and so um, here I am. I had clear memory of everything that happened uh, in the near-death experience. I clinging to this feeling, clinging to what just happened, clinging to the fact that God still loved me. God accepted me. God didn't judge me. God didn't send me to hell. And, and I, I'm like, should I tell my parents what just happened? You know, you, you, you want to tell people, but then you're afraid that they'll think that you're nuts for saying something. So I was just desperately trying to cling to this feeling at what just happened. And it was later that night that the neonatal um, uh, intensive care uh, uh, doctor came in to talk to me about uh, my son and that they didn't know whether he was going to live or not. It was a 50-50% chance. And should they call a minister to come to pray with me? And I said, yes, yes, I would, I would want that. So the next day, a minister that I didn't know came and prayed, and uh, I asked God to please save my son, and if he did, you know, here I am bargaining with God right after I just had this amazing experience. He would save my son. Um, I would uh, raise him to know God, and, and you know, here, here the beings with me said he would be fine, Right. But all I hear is he has a 50-50% chance of living and or of dying. And I had to do everything possible. I have to cross those T's and mark those boxes off um, to make sure that he lives. 
Um, so the, the, the minister came who I didn't know and we prayed and the next day, the neonatal uh, doctor came in and saw me and said she did not know what had happened, but they can't find anything wrong with him. And he is now off the ventilators. So, you know, Jeff, I had two miracles. I had the NDE miracle and I had the miracle that God saved my son. Um, it's just a real humbling experience that that happened. And um, I keep thinking one of these days I'll be able to talk about all this and not get emotional about it. Um, but it's, it's, it's not what I felt I deserved at all. So um, it took, they kept Luke for, I believe it was another two weeks. They wanted to run tests. They wanted to make sure he was out of the woods. They wanted to make sure that, you know, he was okay to go home. And I was in intensive care for another week myself. Um, and when I went home without him, that was just so hard. And Again, I'm trying to cling on, cling to the, the feeling and the love from the NDE experience, but the relationship with his father was so bad. I knew I was going home into a bad situation, and I had to somehow find a way out for my son and I to survive, and that became my focal point from that time on. It's like I had shoved the NDE away while I worked on the survival of my son and I and building a life together and away from his abusive dad. So over the years, um, I just kept shoving it down and shoving it down. And here we are 28 years later and it starts resurfacing again. And then my son who is now 30, he had his first child, my first grandchild, and it just all started coming back up again. And I was having such a hard time reconciling what I experienced with the NDE and Catholic teaching. Because in 2008, I came back to the Catholic Church, and I went through confession and um, confessed the abortions and um, began uh, participating in Mass again. But this, this whole thing with the NDE just kept nagging at me and nagging at me because I should have went to hell. But... God didn't send me to hell. He, he accepted me for who I am and what I had done. And when my son had his precious little baby and his wife uh, on March 7th, they gave birth to a little boy. 
And of course, her pregnancy, her delivery went so well, and I was so grateful for that. But then the NDE, the whole nightmare of, of what happened during delivery, it just all started coming back. And I had to reconcile the NDE with what the Catholic Church teaches. And I kind of started my journey. I, you know, watched NDE experiences on your website, Jeff, on your YouTube channel and other YouTube channels. And then I found Father Spitzer, uh, who is a Catholic priest, uh, and he's also a scientist. Um, and he did quite a few videos about NDEs. And, you know, these things are real. And he has acknowledged that they're real. And he really helped me put pieces together of reconciling um, all of that with, you know, the Catholic faith. So I started to get some peace about it. Um, and not only that, I just felt God nudging me to talk about it because so many people, especially with the whole COVID thing, people were afraid of dying. And that's when it started nudging me. And even my son, uh, you know, said to me, I don't want you to get COVID. I said, well, if I die, I die. I know <laughs> I know what the other side's like. I have no fear of dying whatsoever. You know, um, it, life is a lot easier over on the other side than it is here. This is not uh, an easy place to live. Um, so, so I felt being Catholic, I felt shame around being intuitive. And that was the other thing that came out of the NDE is that my intuition heightened, but I would suppress it. And, and I did all of these things uh, trying to reconcile the faith. And, and finally, it was just driving me crazy, Jeff, because I'm thinking I'm suppressing the most beautiful gift I've ever been given other than the birth of my son and now my grandson, and I'm suppressing it. So that's why I started this search. And I have watched a lot of videos. I've watched a lot of um, uh, uh, NDE experiences. I've done research. I mean, I've just been digging, 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 digging. And um, I got onto your Facebook page and you invited me on and that's how I ended up here. Uh, but my indie experience is not as, uh, uh, what do I wanna call sensational as some of the others. They, some of them have really had some great experiences. Uh, that wasn't mine and uh, Mine was pretty simple, um, but it was what God, ob obviously God knew that's what I needed. That was what I needed. Um, and I didn't need all the rest. So over the years, um, I have tried to talk about it and it wasn't well received. and. I actually spoke to David Such. Do you know who he is, Jeff? 
Yes, I've had him as a guest. Okay, okay. I talked to him um, about a month ago because I had no one to talk to about any of this. And I, um, he really helped kind of put some things in place for me and help me um, answer some questions that I had. So I was grateful for that. And because having a near-death experience is a very lonely experience because people don't accept it. They think you're crazy. Or as a priest told me once when I went to talk to a priest about it, that it was my imagination. No, it was not my imagination. Um, or I've had other people tell me that, well, you just, you know, you just think that happened. You know how the chemicals in your brain, if you flatline or something, it's just chemical in your brain. Well, we are, we know there have been neurosurgeons who have had near-death experiences that have poo-pooed that whole theory, right? Mm -hmm. So in the nutshell, Jeff, <laughs> uh, I'm still exploring this whole thing and just trying to put the pieces together. Christine, first, I want to say that you are in a community here that's going to be accepting and loving you and also accepting the NDE. So you're in the perfect place. Thank you. And second of all, I want to say thank you for sharing your experience with us. You mentioned that you have snippets of other memories. Can you give us some examples of what you can remember? Well, I have snippets of seeing someone in a distance and like a lot and I don't know if it was Jesus or not, long hair and a white robe standing sideways. And um you know, I try to meditate on that, uh do meditation around that vision um but it, it just it goes it went really fast when it came back it was like here and gone and so i've tried to hold on to that or i'll have a snippet of a meadow and that's it so it makes me wonder like you know some people talk about they have had their life review i don't if i did i don't remember it um i i was i did not see any heavenly realm at all that I remember, um, just those two little snippets. Not all of my guests, or not even half of my guests, will comment that they've had a life review. Maybe they don't remember oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe they don't remember it, or maybe they didn't have one. It just, you know, everybody kind of does different things. And you said your NDE wasn't great, but I would say the experience you had in the light it was great. It was. It was. Um, yeah, I know. That sounds kind of ungrateful, doesn't it? No, not really. I mean, I think what you're meaning is that you didn't have an NDE where you went to another planet or went out into space no. and stuff like that, but you still had a no. very remarkable one. Yes. When you're on the other side and you feel that love for the first time, I mean, you just can't express the words for it. There is none. And, and, and God is real. Heaven is real. You don't have to be afraid of death at all. Not at all. I don't think you mentioned it, but do you have any idea who those two beings could have been? No, I don't. No idea at all. I, could, I mean, I didn't see them. 
I knew they were next to me, like supporting me, but uh, I don't mean by supporting me up, but supporting me, standing next to me, making sure I was okay. Um, you know, I've often wondered, you know, was one my guardian angel? Because, you know, I'm Catholic, so we were told we all have guardian angels. I wonder if one of them was that, uh, a guardian angel. I have no idea. I know it wasn't any family that had passed. I know that. It just felt like two spiritual beings that were supporting me while I was there. What's great about your NDE is that it was verifiable. And what I mean by that is you were up above your body watching them. Did you happen mm -hmm. to comment to anybody in the medical staff that you were watching them? No. And and one of the my biggest regret is I went back to the hospital a year later to try to get my records because I wanted to try to figure out, well, how long was I gone? You know, how long did I flatline? Was I in a coma, really? Um, because the nurse never verified that. She just said both you and your son died. That's what she said. Uh, and, and you were both resuscitated. Um, so when I went back, filled out the forms to get the information, um, they said, they called me and said they couldn't find my records, that they were going to see if they had been put away. Uh, and this was 1992. So this was before digital uh, medical records were, you know, um, out there. Um, and then, uh, and, and I never got them. Uh, and I dropped it. I should have pursued it. And I didn't. Um, because as I said, I was so focused on trying to get my son and I uh, in a safe uh, place to live. So um, a month ago, I went to St. Vincent's to try to get my medical records again. And they said that after 10 years, they destroy all the medical records. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and then uh, uh, I tried to find out, uh, I can't even remember my doctor's name. Um, all I remember is he looked like Doogie Hauser. He was so young. But here's the other thing that I knew, that I know that this was a C-section that went wrong. Um, I was cut in two places. So I had one incision higher and then another one a lot lower. And, and I didn't realize this until I saw myself in a mirror and I went, wait, 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 what? I had two incisions. And it wasn't in a place where they would have made like a uh, an incision high on my stomach and then one lower and pulling the baby through that, uh, two openings. It wasn't like that. It was lower, a lot lower where it shouldn't have been. Mm. So I have, I mean, I have no idea what that was all about, which made me think that this something went wrong. And, uh, you know, why they, why I was cut twice, I have no idea, Jeff. Yeah, I can't comment on that because I'm not a OBGYN. <laughs> But the only thing I can comment on is I'm sure every medical professional has to keep the records for at least five, six years. So they had them there somewhere, yeah. most likely. 
Exactly. And I did read online. I looked it up um, because I didn't take the hospital's word for it. I looked it up and it said that there was a federal law that said that they were required to keep them for six years. So, um, you know, whether they were really lost or not, I don't know. Right. Right. Considering everything that went wrong in that delivery, um, you know, I don't know if they were conveniently lost, but I know that when I tried to get them a year later, they couldn't find them. In what way did you reconcile the NDE with being Catholic? Uh, Father Spitzer went through an an, an explanation of um, when you die. Uh, That wasn't the final judgment. and that even he even acknowledged that people has life reviews uh, and that even though I had mortal sin on my soul in God's mercy and in God's love, that he accepted me for who I am and for what happened. And even though I may not have uh, asked God's forgiveness, he could see the pain my soul was in by being uh, tormented about the abortions. And that is true. I was tormented by the abortions. I deeply regretted the abortions. And to the point where when I went back to the Catholic Church, I did get involved with Rachel's Vineyard retreats. And I went through the retreat myself to try to heal from my choice of abortion. And it was such a beautiful retreat that um, I decided to become a facilitator of the retreat. And I've done quite a few since then, since 2008. I've done a few. And it's a beautiful experience for women to reconnect with their children in heaven. I had a guest on twice, actually. He's a Catholic priest named Father Nathan Castle. I don't know if you've heard of him. And I wish he was here right now. I'd like to get his opinion. But... He, I would too. What he, what he's up to is that spirits on the other side come to him in his dreams, and then in his waking life, him and another friend of his—I guess he's a Catholic priest that's also a medium—will help guide the people on the other side who are stuck and help them find heaven. You know, I have read about this. Um, uh. Is he here in the United States? Mm-hmm. I think he's around Phoenix you know- or Tucson, something oh, like that. Oh, okay. At least that, he, okay. I, I think he was there at least the last time that we spoke. It's been a while. I'll have to reach out to him then. I wonder if he'll talk to me. Mm-hmm. I don't um, see why not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to talk to him too. Um, yeah, I, I, um, and this is this is what's so interesting too, Jeff is um, uh, in the first, the first abortion was just one child. The second abortion was twins. When the doctor had asked me or had told me I had twins, I asked him to stop. And he said, oh, it's too late. And was just kind of flippant about it. And it really hurt me, really, really hurt me. And it was very difficult for me to live with those decisions. Um, and there were times that both my son and I heard girls giggling. 
And we we always said, it's the girls, they came to visit. <laughs> um, because I believe I had um I had girls and uh and, and we we would hear we would hear these little girls giggling in the house. And and the first time it happened, my son was like, you know, comes into my bedroom and I was in there reading and he goes, did you hear that? And I said, hear what? And then I hear the giggling. He goes, that, that. And he go, and he said, do you think it could be the girls? And I said, well, who else could it be? <laughs> Since you've had the NDE and you know that we don't die. Yeah. Have you ever reframed the abortion into something like, well, you know, we don't die and just these babies never had that body and maybe they went and took another body. I have reframed it. And that's what we do in Rachel's Vineyard retreats is we help them realize that, you know, um, that they are safe. They are in heaven. Um, and more than likely, they're in the arms of Jesus. So when you think of them as not being dead, but still alive, um, you know, and, and, and of course the age old question is when does the soul enter the, the, um, the baby? And of course the Catholic church believes that conception. I frankly believe it is at conception too. Um, uh, and, and so, um, they're just as much, I mean, j just like I was there on the other side, um, they are too, all of them are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. We we do reframe it uh, during the retreats. Yeah. It sounds like over the years, your experience has faded. Would you say that's true? I would say that's true. Yes. Mm -hmm. What I saw has not faded. What I felt has faded. So seeing the white light, that hasn't faded. No. Mm -mm. The memories hasn't faded at all. But what did fade was the feeling that went with the memories, you know, the, 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 and I thank God that the sheer terror I felt when it was black and I thought I was in hell. Um, I'm glad that's gone. Um, but the, the overwhelming feeling of his love, um, it, it's faded sadly. And, you know, um, the little boy that um, now now his name is it Colton Burpee from Heaven Is Real. Uh, I don't he know has him. said now since he's much older that his memories and feelings both have faded. Um, but for me, it's the feelings that fade. The memories have not. But I'm just like I said. I got those two snippets of other visions um, recently. I think some of the people would say that we couldn't handle that amount of love on this side. Oh, oh my gosh. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it's, it's overwhelming and you just never want it to end. Um, has other NDE uh, experiencers, Jeff, that you've interviewed, have they expressed that, you know, later they've, they've gotten snippets of information that they may have thought that they may have, um, not remembered. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. So that is common. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Is there anything about your experience that inspires you? I don't know um, if inspire, you know, just let me think about that. Inspires me. I would say that what it has done is it's acknowledged that the spirit world is real and they're right here. God is right here. They're not somewhere else. So I don't know if it's inspiration or just the acknowledgement. I I have said I searched for God in all the wrong places <laughs> until I had the NDE. And um, it it brought God real to me. And the fact that he's so, it, it, you can't describe God. You can't describe all he's capable of. Man, he's capable of everything and anything. And um, it, it just made it all real for me that spirits are right here with us, that, you know, if, and I have always talked about, if we could just peel the veil back and see the spirit world, we would be so amazed by what we're capable of on the other side. And that what we're capable of, of here and now, we just don't know how to tap into it. And that's the other quest I'm on <laughs> is tapping into all that we're capable of that God made us this way for a reason. And we're not using, what is it, 10% of our brain capacity? And we're not even using a tenth of what we're capable of using on this side. This, this world would be a war-free peaceful, loving world, if we knew that God is with us now, accepts us now, and that we have spirits here with us to help us on this journey. But oh no, we got to be able to see things. <laughs> Did the other side feel like home? Yes. Yes. I felt like I was home. Um, I think I said that um, if I didn't, uh, I, it felt like home, which is why I didn't want to leave. I did not want to come back to the pain of earth, the pain of my life. Um, but I couldn't leave my son. I just couldn't. It, I just felt like I could not abandon him. And so, yeah, it felt like home. It felt like, you know, um, they threw open the doors and welcomed me just the way I am, all tattered and bruised and, you know, in pain and a shame and just all of it, guilt, all of it. And it just washed away into complete love. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that? Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. So they can reach me at real easy eternal life plan at gmail.com and that's just eternal life plan at gmail.com i have a youtube channel um under the same name eternal life plan at christine harrington and i have a facebook page eternal life plan 
Instagram page. So, you know, the whole, the whole ball of wax on social media. Have you told your son about this? Yes. So in 28 or 20, um, 2008, when I went back to the Catholic church, I told my son about not only the abortions, but I told him about the NDEs too. Now, he was very angry with me about the abortions because he said something I wasn't expecting him to say. And that was, you mean, mom, I didn't have to grow up alone. And that that really, really hurt me to know that I hurt him in that way. Um, but the NDE, he did not want to accept it at all. And matter of fact, it wasn't until recently that we talked about it again and he told me he believed me told me he believed me and i think when he witnessed the birth of his son he saw how fragile life can be i mean it can change in an instant so um he does believe me now that's great christine before we finish up can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh my gosh, don't be afraid of dying. It'll be the most beautiful life on the other side you can ever imagine. Don't feel like you're leaving people behind because they have their own journeys. Know that God is with you every step of the way. You are never alone and you are definitely never alone on the other side. It is the most beautiful homecoming you'll have and the most unbelievable love you'll ever feel. So don't be afraid of it. Christine, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me on, Jeff. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.